0: This is a Reconstructionist Radio production. Please visit calcedon.edu, That's C-H-A-L-C-E-D-O-N dot E-D-U to download this book in PDF format or to purchase this book. The Cure of Souls, Recovering the Biblical Doctrine of Confession by Rusus John Rushdini Copyright 2007, Mark R. Rushdini Published by Calcedon Ross House Books, P.O. Box 158, Vallecito, California, 95251. All rights reserved. The Cure of Souls, Recovering the Biblical Doctrine of Confession by R.J. Rushdini. Chapter 36, Confession versus Litigation. Quote, The stories multiply year after year. A burglar, while robbing a California high school, falls through a skylight and wins $260,000 in damages, plus a $1,200 monthly stipend from the local school board. In Washington, D.C., one study claims that every neurosurgeon has been sued at least once, while in Miami, neurosurgeons each pay some $220,000 a year in malpractice insurance. In Texas, a plaintiff receives $248,000 after an expert witness testifies that an auto accident has caused or contributed to cancer. Typical? Maybe not. But these horror stories are symptomatic of an an ever-deepening mess in America's legal system. End quote. Stories like this are many, and they point to a worldwide evil. It is certainly true that the United States leads the world in the percentage of lawyers and lawsuits in ratio to population. This does not, however, mean that other countries are less litigious. They are, in fact, far worse. Because they are deeper into the quagmires of socialism, what lawyers, courts and juries handle in the United States, a civil bureaucracy adjudicates elsewhere, more slowly but with like injustices. We cannot blame lawyers and courts alone. The juries are equally bad and even worse. The juries rarely represent a superior element and, as one lawyer said to me, quote, to get a jury of your peers, you usually need to be a skid row bum, end quote. While this is not always true, American juries do not represent people fairly. Moreover, as men who have dutifully Dutifully served on juries have told me, the attitude of most jurors is that justice is irrelevant. Let the rich or the insurance companies pay because they have money. Now this is a confession in itself, a confession of envy and a desire to penalize all those who are successful or prosperous. The envious man confesses the ostensible sins of his betters. He is the enemy of justice, because for him the fundamental moral premise is equality, or levelling his betters downwards. An envy-oriented culture will confess the sins of others. Socialists are untiring in dredging up the sins of capitalists, real or imagined, to vindicate this envy. For Karl Marx, the capitalists were the exploiting class so that his rape or seduction of his wife's servant was concealed and his exploitation of Engels was simply getting what, he, what was his due. During the 1960s one girl who joined a New Life group which talked much of the exploitation of the people soon found that her function was to serve as one of the group's private whores. When they exploited her sexually it was fellowship in a noble cause. She left them, finally, a broken young woman. Litigation has become a form of humanistic confession, the confession of the other person's supposed sin. Many nuisance suits are filed with the expectation that the insurance company will settle the case out of court rather than risk, first, long and costly litigation, and second, an irresponsible jury whose contempt for justice is flagrant. Perjury is routine in such cases, and it commonly goes unpunished. In litigation, the purpose is rarely the truth, but more commonly the pleasure of hurting someone else. It is not surprising that the rise of litigation has coincided with a decline in the place of confession in the lives of men. Now it must be remembered that confession is a legal fact. In the court of Almighty God, we are sinners, lost sinners or sinners saved by grace in confession whether to a pastor priest church board congregation or to an aggrieved person we confess that we have transgressed God's law our offense is primarily against God and secondarily against persons in confession we acknowledge that God is right about us it is not our opinion of ourselves that is the truth about us, but God's knowledge of us. David, in Psalm 51, 1-4, says, quote, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness; According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. End quote. Some people have trouble with David's statement, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight. From verse 4. It is true that David's sin affected Uriah, Bathsheba, and all Israel, and David knew this. But he was pleading guilty in God's court, and the law he had violated was God's law, not man's. When Nathan confronted David with what he had done, David's response was simply, I have sinned against the Lord, from 2 Samuel 12:13. All sin is primarily against God because it is the violation of His law. As 1 John 3.4 tells us, quote, "...whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law." End quote. In sinning, we replace God's law with our own will, or with man's law. We enter into litigation with God. We contend with our Maker in hostility to His law. As A.F. Kirkpatrick pointed out with respect to Psalm 51:1-4, sin is described as in Ex 14:7, Psalm 32:1 and 2, in three different aspects as transgression, iniquity, sin. The Hebrew words thus rendered meaning, respectively, one, defection from God or rebellion against Him. 2. The perversion of right, depravity of conduct. 3. Error, wandering from the right way, missing the mark in life. The removal of guilt is also triply described. 1. Blot out, verse 9. Sin is regarded as a debt recorded in God's book, which needs to be erased and cancelled. The use of the word in 32.32. Numbers 5:23, and see Psalm 32 two two Or the word may be used more generally, wipe out, of cleansing away defilement so that no trace of it remains. Second Kings 21:13. The promise in Isaiah 43:25, 44:22, and also Nehemiah 4:5, Jeremiah 18:23. Two. Wash me. The word means properly to wash clothes, as a fuller does, and is frequently used in ceremonial purifications. Exodus nineteen, ten, fourteen, 14, etc. Here it denotes that inward cleansing of which external washings were the type. Jeremiah 2.22, 4.14 He prays, Wash me thoroughly or abundantly, for... The depth of his guilt demands an unwanted and special grace. But if transgression abounds, Lamentations 1.5, so does mercy. 3. Cleanse me. Be clean, verse 7. Like wash, a common term in the Levitical ritual, especially in the laws concerning leprosy. Leviticus 13, 6.34, etc. Second Kings 5, 10-14. End quote. Confession is related to litigation and a court of law, God's court. Confession means entering a guilty plea by a full acknowledgement of our law-breaking. We throw ourselves on God's mercy and ask for His forgiveness. We also pledge ourselves to make restitution and to change our ways. Now, in a fallen world, civil and criminal litigations are a necessity as our lawyers An attorney at law pursues, if he is godly, a legitimate vocation. As with ministers in the church, the lawyer's legitimacy before God depends on his faithfulness to him. We have, however, a generation whose ways are highly litigious. Having forsaken the living God and having made themselves their own gods, from Genesis 3.5, they see every questioning of their majesty as grounds for legal action. The choice has indeed been, for many, one between confession and litigation. Biblical confession rests on the fact of the atonement. We can confess our sins unto God because we have the assurance that He has provided His Son as our sin bearer and redeemer. Thus, to confess our sins is to confess our trust in Christ and His atonement for us. Isaiah 53, 5-7 declares, Quote, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. End quote. In litigation before criminal or civil courts, someone loses, or sometimes both sides lose. The joy of confession is that when our confession is a faithful one, we are always delivered and blessed. Although our sins merit hell, confession gives us God's favour and grace. Confession means deliverance from the burden of sin and guilt. Those who avoid confession are lovers of misery. This is the end of chapter 36.
1: The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology.